Hey, hey, hey there, ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, stone shop owners from across the fruited plain. My name is Aaron Crowley, host of the Fab Lab podcast, and I am so glad to be tuning in with you for another episode here as we continue the focus on the business side of your stone shop. And in this episode in particular, I mean, I'm always excited. In fact, I probably need to just take a deep breath and slow down because as is typically the case, I get so excited about these topics and I get so excited about the opportunity to be talking about them and the prospect of providing something that is of value and of interest and of benefit to you as a stone shop owner that I get so excited my <laughs> my, my mouth starts flapping faster than my brain can process the thoughts and transmit them to my mouth. And so in this episode in particular... I want to slow down because I don't want to miss something and I don't want to confuse anything. This is such an important insight. I am so excited about the way this idea is developing because I think it's going to be so helpful to stone shop owners at any stage of their business development or their career of professional development, any size of the business. It gives an opportunity to sort of recognize where a stone shop owner may be and if they are experiencing the red line existence, that, that scenario where just the pace of the business, the volume of the sales, and just the, the, the demands of the company are creating an environment where the owner has to work at an exhaustive and unsustainable pace, i.e. redlined, where the RPMs, the gas is being pushed so hard to the floor without shifting that the tachometer has wound itself up into that red line, but it's not backing off. And if you operate at that level for any length of time, it damages the engine. And in this scenario, in this metaphor, the engine is you and your business being this massive, fantastic, awesome opportunity for wealth creation, this engine for creating wealth for you and your family and great opportunities for your staff. So I want to provide a, a perspective and explain this in such a way so that you can recognize and assess kind of where you're at. And if you're in that rec, you know, that red line existence, you can go, okay, I can see where I'm at, and I might be able to see how I either moderate that and let off on the gas a little bit, or how I might shift into the next stage. Now, let me make this very clear, fellow fabricator. The fact that I am talking about how to move from one gear to the next, how to shift to the next gear, how to move from one stage to the next, is not to suggest that that's what you should do. That is not my goal here. It is not to imply, it is not to judge that, the next stage is superior to the previous stage. It is absolutely no judgment. It is simply to give you a perspective that allows you to identify where you're at. And, and let me just make a quick comment here. I have provided a tool. If you go to the show notes, my Stone Shop Business Assessment Tool, it's a free resource. You click on the link in the show notes. It'll take you to a 20-point question-based assessment tool that'll allow you to evaluate the four key aspects of your business to just identify, hey, how are we doing in each of these four critical stages of the business development? So check out the show notes, Stone Shop Business Assessment Tool. But I want you to be able to assess where you're at because I know what it's like to operate in that space where the demands of the business exceeded my ability to manage it. And the pace, which was what the business required of me to make up the difference, my Lack of management experience required me to just knuckle down and make up the difference in terms of just sheer hours worked. You can only do that for so long. And so I want you to assess where you're at, and then hopefully this is of use to you. So we're going to talk about three stages today in this episode. And then in the next episode, we'll talk about the really exciting, really fun last three stages. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the doer, the director, 
and the dictator. <laughs> and they're very different. And they're progressive. And then we're going to just talk about what each one means and how you move to the next one so you can avoid that red line experience. How do you shift into the next gear? So the doer. Now, this is the one that most craftsmen, most tradesmen are familiar with because they develop a skill, they learn a trade, and they're very good at the trade. And so they go into business doing that trade, doing the work, i.e. the doer. What oftentimes happens is they're so good at that work that it requires that they hire help. Maybe it starts off as a very, very occasional temporary help, and that help isn't trained. It's not skilled. It's just, hey, I need to help me get this piece over here. I need to help me move this slab over here. I need you to go out there and get that for me and bring it back in for me. Very little training, very, very little skill. The owner, the doer, does all the work. And maybe over time, that moves from a temporary agency to a part-time employee. And then maybe that part-time employee becomes a full-time employee with another part-time employee. Typically, at the doer stage, when the owner is doing everything, you're going to be at probably a part-time employee to maybe two or three max employees in this stage. And what happens is the owner isn't training. The owner is simply utilizing assistance where necessary to optimize and maximize their skill to get the most output out of what they're capable of doing. That expertise is applied to the fullest extent possible, recognizing that, you know, in the granite countertop business, you need help moving things. You need help lifting things. You need help carrying things. And and help is needed. And so that doer will oftentimes find themselves as the business grows and perhaps as the workload is increasing and the number of jobs on the schedule is growing, which is great. It's a reflection of doing a good job being a master craftsman, a master tradesman, a master of the craft. There begins to become this dynamic where the work exceeds, the workload exceeds the owner's ability to do it all. And so there becomes this tension and this conflict, if you will, where the employees that are standing around, they're not doing anything unless they are explicitly told, i.e. the doer. He's doing the work and nobody else does anything unless he tells them, do this, don't do that. Stand right there, don't move until I need you. I don't know if you can recognize that. I remember a lead installer that I had hired and um, we put a trainee with him, an assistant or a, I guess apprentice or a helper is probably the most common term. And I remember after a few months, the helper came to me. He's like, he won't let me do anything. I mean, literally. The only thing I do is help him carry the countertops in, and then I stand around for two or three or four or five hours watching him level the counters, glue the seams, (laughs) polish the joint, do the blend, lay out the cooktop. I hold the vacuum when we cut the cooktop. I could be doing more if he would simply tell me what and how to do it. Well, I think that's very true with a lot of owners. There's so much at stake. You got two conflicts here number one there's so much state in the owners like hey i know i can do this right why risk letting somebody else make a mistake and cost me a bunch of money totally get that totally legit the other problem is is when the owner's not doing he's not making any money and so it's very hard to make that exchange consciously to go hey if i stop what i'm doing the job slows down and I can't get to the next job. So I'm better off just doing this myself because if I stop to train somebody how to do something, it means it's going to take longer and we're not getting the job done. That's just a, that's a reflection of being at that doer stage. That's a doer mentality and a doer approach, not judging it, not criticizing it, just stating it what it is. What happens at the red line is when the workload has increased to the point where the owner can't do it all. 
and doesn't know and can't consciously stop long enough to do the training to let those employees develop and acquire the skills necessary to complement the owner's doing, the owner's expertise, the owner's approach. And so you got to do one or two things. You got to either back off on the workload to bring it down to the point where the owner can do all the work at a comfortable pace, utilizing assistance that will simply do what they're told when told and not do anything else in the meantime. It's when it grows beyond that, that there becomes that red line existence. And it's just, it's, it's unpleasant. And so for that individual, the doer, the way to move beyond that is to begin to consciously choose. It's a conscious decision. You have to acknowledge the fact that you're going to have to stop doing the work that produces the income for a time to invest in the staff to let them develop the skill so that you can expand what it is you do. Does that make sense? You got you to make that conscious decision. It takes a short-term hit to the production and output for the long-term benefit of helping those employees gain the skill that actually leverages and multiplies the owner's expertise on the job site, in the shop, out in the field, what have you. So oftentimes what happens as an owner is getting comfortable with ownership and everything else that goes along with owning a business. You know, over time, even if it's unconscious, if that staff stays with the owner long enough, out of necessity sometimes, the, the employees will begin to acquire the skill. A little bit here, a little bit there. I'm going to extend to you a little bit of responsibility, see how you do. Hopefully that works out. Okay, that worked. Wow, great. Okay, maybe we'll try that again. And over time, many doers move into the director stage. This is the next gear, the next phase, if you will. Very different in the sense that you're typically going to have anywhere from two to maybe eight employees in the director stage. Now, this assumes that those two to eight employees have acquired a certain level of skill that allows the owner to do more directing. Now, oftentimes the owner is still doing work, tactical level work, operating level work in the business where they're really skilled, really proficient, really productive and make a massive impact on the business. And that's where they're most needed. But they've got all these other employees out there that have developed a certain amount of skill, acquired a certain amount of skill over time. And they can do that work not necessarily right under the nose of the owner, but they're not capable, those employees, even though they have the skill, they're not capable, they're not aware enough of the way that the company does business to make decisions on their own. They require the owner to direct them. So here's the distinction. The owner's probably still doing tactical level work, but the majority of the business is directing those employees, those two to eight employees. And when I say eight employees, maybe it's eight to 10. Here's the reality. When you're in this directing stage where you're telling the Sawyer, hey, those are the slabs you're going to cut, where you're telling the customer, hey, I'm going to be out here to do this measure up. You're coming back and you're telling the crew, here's the templates and the slabs that are going to be next. You're telling the install department, hey, here's the next job you're going to install. That is the directing stage. You are essentially directing traffic, if you will. And if you're not there, those employees, while they know how to cut, while they know how to fabricate, while they know how to install, they don't know what to do next. And so as soon as they're done with that task, they're waiting for the owner to come in and say, what's the next job? What's the next task? What's the next project we've got to start on and work on or complete? And so a dynamic that oftentimes takes place at about that eight, maybe 10 headcount. The reality is the owner can't be in enough places 
fast enough to direct much more than eight to 10 employees competently in a calm, measured, well-managed state. Statistics show that about 94% of the businesses in the U.S. do a million dollars or less. And if you look at the headcount of the average business, that's right in line with this, this number of 8 to 10 employees. I think there's a correlation there. You hit a wall, you hit a limit, you hit a ceiling, if you will, using the director management style. And I'm not invalidating it. It's a very valid, very profitable, very effective way to manage. Here's the problem, though. The owner cannot leave. The owner cannot not come in because if the owner isn't there on site to direct traffic, to instruct the team, the crew, the employees on what to do next, they don't know what to do and they're standing around with this great skill that's not applied because there's no order, there's no rhythm, there's no way that the business operates. It The way that business operates is by doing what the owner tells everybody what to do. You remove the owner from that equation and the business slows down or stops. And so that in and of itself is sort of a problem for an owner who's like, hey, I'd kind of like to take a couple of days off. Maybe I'd like to take a vacation. You can't because you're the director. And in the absence of the director, the symphony doesn't play. Nobody knows what music turned to and nobody knows what the rhythm is. Nobody knows what the pace or the tempo or the beat. The director's got to be there to direct the business. Now, this is the point at which... I'm going to talk a little bit about what is necessary to move beyond that and what oftentimes happened. There needs to be a rhythm established. That's the way out of this. Or you back off the sales. If you're hitting that 8 to 10 employee and it's like, hey, I can't quite be directing in enough places at one time. There's just simply too many places to be, too many employees to direct. The way to overcome that is to develop a repeatable rhythm and pattern to how the work is done to where it becomes more visible to the employees to know what to do next. And you can cue the work up in a repeatable, predictable, repetitious way so that it's more clear, hey, I finished that task, I finished that job, I know what's the next job. That's the beginning of sort of the transition out of the director stage into the next stage. Now, what happens though? This is very important, fellow fabricator, stone shop owner, very, very common at this level, you're probably doing a million, maybe a million and a half in sales, a lot of success, great profits, just the euphoria of doing well. And your reputation is a reflection of you having trained these staff and you're directing it, you're optimizing it. If you're there, you can place everybody in the right place at the right time to do the best job possible. And what is the result of that? Well, the result of that is more work a better reputation, more demand for your skill set, what you do. Here's where the problem begins to fall apart and where that red line experience begins to occur at this stage is when the business, once again, grows. And oftentimes, the momentum of that success just carries right on through. It's eight employees, 10 employees. Now you got 12. Man, it's getting busy. Man, am I working hard. Man, am I working a lot of hours. Man, does it feel frantic here. Whew, things are getting busy. If you start reaching that 12, 15, 18, 20 employee headcount where your sales are now maybe a million and a half to two million, maybe two and a half million, but you are still managing with that director approach, that is the epitome. That is the reality of being redlined because here's the problem. As the director, you've got to tell everybody what to do and when to do it and where to be and where to go. So you multiply that by two, you go from 8 to 16, that's a lot more directing that you have to do. But here's what else 
follows that. A lot of questions. Very rarely is the communication effective enough, is the work order, is the template, is the communication with the customer so thorough that you can hand it off and it make its way all through production to the end of the install and get paid. What happens is there's questions at all stages of the business. And as that headcount grows and as the workload increases, the number of questions to the owner, and if the owner is the director, he makes the final call or she makes the final call, she is the final word in every situation, not only is the number of people that need to be directed increasing, the number of questions is increasing. And this can drive an owner absolutely out of their mind. That's assuming everything's going well. The incessant, never-ending questions. I cannot turn around without my phone going off or without somebody going, hey, we got an issue here. Hey, we need your take on this. Hey, we need you to decide what's next. We got a customer that's on the phone. They want to know when their job's going to be done. Every time you turn around, you got another question, another employee standing there going, hey, I need you to tell me what to do. That's the existence of a director. But when the volume grows, lots of directing, lots of questions. Now, here's the third part of this that is contributing to that red line experience where the owner has to work like superhuman hours and effort that's simply not sustainable. It's the epitome of the red line experience. Now you start having, because the owner can't be in enough places at once. There simply is not enough time in the day to be in enough places to make sure that everybody knows what to do at all times so that all the questions are always answered. And things start slipping through the cracks. Critical tasks starts getting overlooked. There's confusion. There's miscommunication. There's assumptions made that are realistic and reasonable, but nonetheless cause massive disruptions. So when there's mistakes being made, critical tasks slipping through the cracks, now you've got all these fires that you have to put out. Not only are you directing everybody, not only are you answering a zillion questions, now I've got all these problems that keep popping up all over the business, out on install, in the sales department, out in the shop, cutting the template. It never ends. So now you're working this just absolutely inhumane pace trying to keep it all together. And it is directly related to the business growing, the commitments made to the customer on a scale that simply exceeds the business's and the owner's ability to manage it effectively. That is really common. That, quite frankly, is the space with which I wrote Less Chaos, More Catch was to speak in it because the the pathway out of that is the owner learning how to delegate. You got to move from being the director to effectively delegating. You take the way that you do it, the rhythm, the pattern, the order, and then you apply effective delegation, clear expectations, results, and standards and instructions for everybody in the company to know when it starts and when it stops, when it's begun, when it ends, when it hands off and where and how well it's supposed to be done. The pathway out of that is delegation. But for the owners who don't learn that skill set, who don't advance to delegation, they move into what I call the dictator stage. And this is the place where it is the, it is the most unpleasant, it is the most stressful, and quite frankly, it is the least profitable place to be because the pace is so frantic and frenetic. The owner is pulled in so many directions, dealing with so many issues, having to do so much directing. They can't manage the business. They can't manage the finances. There isn't time to go back and assess how the company is operating. Where's all the money? Why don't we have any money? So oftentimes the the paradox, the irony, you're doing all this work at this unbelievable pace, contributing, pouring so much of yourself into the business, and for the privilege of all that pain and suffering, you've got lower profits. Oh my gosh, so what happens? We're making less money. 
oftentimes what happens if if the owner doesn't recognize where they're at and again this is just simply to give you the perspective of where you're at and how do you move beyond it or how do you back off so you can get your life back and get the profits back in the business well what happens the owner begins to conclude that the reason for all these problems in the business isn't because of his lack of management experience and it isn't because he's gone oh i need to learn how to delegate better very very often very often the owner misconcludes it is the deficiency in his staff subconsciously if i only had employees who were more like me if my employees only thought like owners did i wouldn't have all these problems which is true it's just a preposterously unrealistic expectation so what happens the owner will double down tense up begin to micromanage, begin to conclude that I've got to, I've got to work even harder. I've got to look over my employees' shoulders even more. I've got to retain even more of this incre- you know, this critical decision-making power because the more that I let my employees do it, the more they screw up. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm saying that's very often the owner's conclusion, and it's understandable considering the stress and the strain of this red-line existence. Problem is, it's not sustainable. The owner is go- the, the engine is just going to overheat. It's going to implode. It's going to just come apart. And so, what is the way out of this? Well, one way would be to back off. It's interesting. I was with a client uh, here not too long ago, and I was explaining this and kind of laying this out to kind of get a baseline for where we're at. And I ex- I explained this progression of doer to director ultimately working towards the delegator, which is what I coach through is what my book, Less Chaos, More Cash is all about. And that's where I feel like I make the biggest impact in a business owner's life. And one of the owners said, oh my gosh, it is like you have been a fly on the wall in our business watching our business develop. And it, it's very common. I want to, I, I say that to encourage you that if you find yourself in that situation, be encouraged. Number one, there's a way out. And number two, most of us business owners find ourselves there. Now, the ones that don't grow beyond it implode. They just simply wear out. There isn't enough fuel in the tank to continue to pour into it. And eventually, the engine just overheats and it just blows up. Or maybe they learn and recognize, wow, I can't continue this. I got to back this thing back to the place where it was when I could actually manage it and make money. Some owners can make that regression if you will and i don't say that in a negative sense but that describes it they can retreat if you will back to a profitable level that's manageable those that learn how to delegate though they move beyond this dictator stage what i like to call the the benevolent dictator ultimately if you're in that stage you're exerting absolute control over every facet of the business you tend to micromanage now you might be nice about it thus the benevolent dictator term unfortunately the outcome is still the same it restricts the the business's ability to function as a as a as an entity that can operate in the absence of the owner and so the owner must be there and work even harder it's just terrible and the way out of it is to learn how to delegate and so that is the next stage that begins the next three stages the delegator stage the discipler stage and the dreamer stage and ladies and gentlemen fellow fabricators i want to impress upon you this fact If you find yourself in that situation, be encouraged because breaking through that dictator stage into the delegator stage opens up a world of literally limitless possibilities for you to grow this wealth creating engine that you've got in your business to expand it and to move into different levels of 
professional development as a leader, as a supervisor, as a manager, as an owner, and move to places where you might have never imagined that business could take you. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's exciting. It's encouraging. But it is not an easy transition. Many, many, many businesses get stuck in this dictator stage and then retreat back to the director stage of place, and which is fine, which is completely legitimate. It's very profitable. can be very successful. But you're limited. You're limited by your management style. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to encourage you to make sure that you listen to the next episode of the Fab Lab podcast because what we're going to talk about then is where it gets fun. It gets exciting. You move beyond the frustration of the day-to-day just chaos in the business and you move into this realm where delegation frees you up to do all kinds of really cool stuff in the business and equally important, outside the business. So I want to just tantalize you with that hopeful next step, the next episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. I want to mention one more thing. I want to mention a word from our sponsor, No Lift Install System. If you're looking to take your business to the next level, if your install department and those 3CM countertops are a ruthless dictator as opposed to the benevolent dictator, those countertops are so heavy, they are unrelenting, they are mercilessly wearing out your install crew, might I suggest the way out of that red line experience for your installer's physical health and the risk to their skill set not continuing to be applied in your install department, ultimately to the bottom line of your company, might I suggest you visit noliftsystem.com. Noliftsystem.com. Contact them, talk to one of the NoLift pros, and find out how over 1,600 stone shops have invested in that piece of equipment to significantly reduce the dictatorial power of that 3CM stone on the lives and on the physical health of their installers so that their businesses can continue to be successful. Transferring the wear and tear of the stone off of their bodies onto the cart, which frees them up to apply that skill that they have developed in your business more effectively to the installation and wowing your customers. So visit noliftsystem.com. Now, lastly, I just want to finish with this. I want, to, I want to tease you with the next episode. We're going to talk about the delegator stage, what is necessary to get to the delegator stage, and how does that free you up to disciple and to dream in your business. It's so exciting. It's what I talked about in my book, Less Chaos, More Cash. You can visit AaronCrowley.com. You can download the first three chapters for free on my website, and you can also check out my coaching opportunities. The place I am most excited about is helping owners who are in that red line experience as a <laughs> director slash dictator move from that into the delegator phase. And so if you've ever considered the role that a coach might play in your business, check out the show notes below. Click on that link about one-on-one coaching with me. You'll fill out a few questions and then I will reach out to you and I will offer you a complimentary 90-minute coaching experience. It's going to knock your socks off. A recent client told me, Wow, I came here looking for answers, and you did not give me the answers I expected, but what you gave me was a perspective I did not have. Thank you. I would love to offer that to you as well. So check out the show notes, the one-on-one coaching. You can click on that link and reach out to me. You can check out my book at AaronCrowley.com, and in the meantime, make sure you are preparing, assessing your current business state and getting ready for the next episode as we talk about the delegating the discipling, and the dreaming stage of your business. Until then, fellow fabricator, happy fabricating.